Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hi, podcast listeners. We are back for another episode, and we're so happy that you're out there listening. Thank you for tuning in again. Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah, I mean, we you never know what you're going to get with our show. It's just what questions have people asked, and, you know, there's such a range. It's very, you know, just like a grab bag. <laughs> it is a grab bag, and I, I don't know if our listeners even know that I don't know the questions before we go in. Yeah. You are the one who goes through the questions and mm -hmm. chooses, and I intentionally want to come in not knowing them because I'll think too much right about them <laughs> and i want to i want to be more fresh and spontaneous and right. trying to follow the spirit's lead rather than preparing my answers right so yeah. i don't even know what's going to happen That's on this right. so you're the only one who even knows what the questions are exactly and although <laughs> there are several i mean hundreds of people out there thousands of people out there who might be wondering is it going to be my question <laughs> we shall see yes we shall at uh, before we get to that, though, I want you to tell our listeners a funny thing that happened recently. I didn't see it happen, but you did already tell me about it. I did. And I just think they would find it amusing. This is, yeah, this is just part of our opening story time. <laughs> story time with <laughs> Christopher and Wendy. Our, we call it affectionately our banter. Yes. It's part of our opening banter. So you know how your brain does funny things? Well, my brain did a funny thing. You, you may not know, well, very few of you would know. Maybe some of my students know who come and see me driving my Yamaha Majesty scooter. Go ahead and Google that if you want to look it up, see what it looks like. <laughs> it's not like a it's not like a toy scooter. It's a 400cc motor scooter. They're very popular in Europe. They're not as popular here in the States, but I have one. I've always been fascinated with scooters. And I had for 21 years, I had a Honda Helix scooter. Now I have this Yamaha Majesty scooter. Anyway, <laughs> so I wear a motorcycle helmet when I drive this thing around. And I had my helmet on. I was riding the scooter down the driveway and I realized I had forgotten something. I had to go back in the house and get it. And I just kept my helmet on as I went in the house. We have very low door jams in our house because yeah. our house is like 200 years old and I guess people were shorter back then <laughs> I don't know <laughs> we live in an old an old log and stone house here in Pennsylvania and I whacked my head on one of these door jams wearing this helmet and it was it was like a hard whack but you know it obviously didn't hit my head it hit my helmet but it was such a hard whack I thought this is where my brain did this strange thing I thought oh my Gosh, our door jams are so low, you need to wear a helmet in this house. <laughs> and I realized I am wearing a helmet in our house. But I hadn't, when I had the thought, I wasn't consciously thinking I'm already wearing a helmet. Yeah. I was thinking I should have a helmet because I just whacked my, <laughs> whacked my head. Yeah, it's like one of those times when you think you can't find your phone and you look at your phone to like yes, call your to own call phone. Your, yeah. but you're or actually you're looking holding for your, your glasses desperately. And this happened to me. Yeah. I was wearing them. <laughs> Yes, I've had that too. <laughs> Where are my glasses? Where are my glasses? Yeah. You're looking through them. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yes, one of those. Yeah, that's cute. So we have a, a question from our patron. 
Uh, One of our patrons. Yes. Here we go. This patron is anonymous, but Hello, says... Hello, anonymous patron. Dear Christopher and dear Wendy, thank you for the wonderful work you do. I love to listen to you two while driving. I feel like you're part of my family. Oh, that's fun. My husband and I are practicing Catholics and saved ourselves from se- from sex until we were married. My husband is a holy man. I think of St. Joseph when I see uh-huh. him. Wow. He's always giving his life for me and our children. Wow, that's awesome. Through loving sacrifice and gift of himself. This is why I want to make him happy. And I struggle with the following situation. During our marital embrace, my husband has never felt his own climax. Even though he ejaculates, he cannot feel anything. I often suggest to him that we look for help to figure out what is wrong, but he insists he accepts this as a mortification that helps him not focus on the pleasure but on the love he has for me. I know the end of the sexual embrace is not the pleasure, but God wanted that pleasure to be there for a reason. Should we look for help? Should we accept it and let it be? Is it wrong to let it be? Thank you. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I'm saying wow on many levels here. There's just, there's something beautiful in this relationship. Um, There's something beautiful, obviously, in in every uh, marriage, but there's, I'm I'm getting a waft of it. Like Mm -hmm. this, the waft of this particular marriage, it's particular fragrance. I'm kind of sensing it. And it's, it's a grace. Um, It's, it's also, I'm just, reflecting on my own reaction to this question that usually the questions we get about husbands are not celebrating the virtue of Mm. the husband. It's my husband's causing me suffering in this way or that way. Right. So that's refreshing to hear as well. Um, This is, this is maybe more a medical issue than a, a theological issue. Although obviously there are theological counterpoints, um, you are absolutely right to say God desired this pleasure for us. I, I'm intrigued by your husband's approach, saying I'm willing to accept this as a, a mortification and to focus on the love. But let me, let me just hold this out. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. I tell you this so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. Now, there is, there is a, a joy to love that comes whether or not in the marital embrace there is a physical attendant pleasure. Um, so I, I'm not equating simply the joy Jesus is talking about with the joy of sexual pleasure, but there is that connection, right? The, our bodies tell the story. Our, our bodies and our souls are meant to be in union and the joy we experience in our soul in loving as God loves rightly and in the normal and natural course of events is meant to be manifested in our bodies and the completion of that joy, Jesus himself says, so that your joy might be complete in the marital context of the marital union. The joy that is completed is completed in the soul, through the body, in sexual climax. Your husband is experiencing the physicality of giving his seed, but is not experiencing the attendant joy or pleasure of giving his seed in the physical sense. 
So should he merely embrace this as a mortification? It may be for a time that is appropriate, maybe for the lifetime it could be appropriate. I can't read into the situation, but it would not be inappropriate. In fact, I would encourage it. I would encourage, this is just my perspective, I would encourage to, that you seek some medical attention. But I would seek medical attention from a Catholic doctor who believes and embraces the church's teaching. Because you could go to a secular doctor, or even an atheistic kind of approach, where you know they they could just have the wrong kind of emphasis, the wrong kind of uh, motivation in helping you out. I I would not that that is wrong if that's all you can go to, or that's all available in your area, or that's all your insurance might pay for. But then you just have to weed through some of the things he might be saying and. You might catch in the air just a feeling that makes you feel uneasy. So if it is possible, I would say go to a Catholic doctor who embraces fully the church's teaching and just begin the journey of, of an evaluation to see if there's something that might be able to be done. I'm not a doctor. I don't have any training in that area, so I can't speak into it at all. But I, I would encourage it. What are your thoughts, Wendy? Mm. I was similarly touched by her just honoring of her husband and description of um, their marriage and of his um, attitudes toward so many things. Um, and I also love her heart that desires healing for him, even in an area where he's not seeking it. It could be that there are reasons that he doesn't want to go to the doctor and, and in part what you just said, you know, there can be... Um, judgments toward men who are chaste, who maybe don't masturbate or fantasize or things that could be really unpleasant to be looked at through that Yeah, lens. that's what I was kind of getting at mm -hmm. in cautioning against going to yeah. just any old doctor. And, and I can understand a man saying, I really don't want to expose myself to yeah. that. Yeah, I can too. And I can see, you know, there can be a very beautiful offering. I think when we say a mortification, maybe not all of our listeners are even sure what that's meant, what is meant by that. Um, I think maybe a meaningful word to me is just an offering or a prayer for, you know, so many hurting situations in the world where this pleasure has been elevated above. Idolized. Yeah. Yeah. And caused people not to see the human beings and their call to love. And so, you know, there there could be a very fruitful offering of all of that that's going on as well. So all of that is on the side of maybe understanding the not pursuing it. And also I, I completely agree with the love of the wife who says, I would love to know if there's help for this. Yes, yes. You know? I, I'll add this, that the, the physical joy of sexual climax in the context of self-giving in the marital embrace all that needed to be said so people weren't thinking i was just talking about you know masturbation or something mm. the the completed gift of self and the attendant physical pleasure that goes with it is a challenge for us to integrate with our spiritual lives and and i would want for this husband as i'd want for any husband I would want him to, to desire to embrace that journey because it's, it's a difficult one, but it is a richly rewarding one to find that 
uh, to find an ongoing and deeper integration of the spiritual and the physical here. The physical pleasure is meant to be a sign and sacrament of, of the spiritual delight of loving as God loves. And I would say there's something missing here. And it, 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 if, if it can be corrected, I think it should be corrected. And I, I wouldn't want this husband to miss out on the growth that would be possible in his life if he could experience that attendant physical aspect of the marital embrace. Just mm -hmm. some thoughts. Mm -hmm. Our next question is from Maureen. Hello, Maureen. Do you have any resources to recommend for approaching body image and an eating disordered past with mm. theology of the body? Although I do not have an eating disorder anymore, praise God, I still have wounds from my past in these areas. And after praying about this for some time and listening to your podcast, I'm certain that theology of the body and the healing of Jesus in the Eucharist are necessary part of the healing process. I would love some guidance on where to start with this. Thank you so much for considering my question, and God bless you. Bless you, Maureen. Thank you for presenting your question to us and some of the history there. I, I, I know it's been a painful history. I can also hear there has been healing and growth, but you're wanting to continue that journey. Keep going, girl. We love you. We're praying for you. We're lifting you up. There really is a path forward. The thing that, that came to my mind first, Wendy, when I heard you reading that question, remember a couple years ago, we watched a documentary. It was a secular documentary, but it was also very insightful, illuminating, I thought helpful. Uh, but just a caveat, just know it's not from a faith-based perspective, and there may be a few things here and there that, you know, in fact, there was, I remember there was, I'll leave that, yes, there was something in there that was troubling to my spirit. Anyway, the, the documentary was called um, embrace. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe can you can you say more about what that is? Because you recently, more recently, watched it with one of our daughters. Am yes, I, I have watched that recently. And I, I think um, Maureen, you know, asking about how to incorporate theology of the body in this healing process. Um, I think one of the things if you were to um, watch this documentary called Embrace. One of the things that's celebrated in this documentary is um, childbearing and that a woman's body is meant for childbearing, is designed by God for it, and is changed by it. Right. And that that can be celebrated. Yes. Woo! So that is in a one way in which this uh, documentary really does link with theology of the body in a, in a beautiful way, even though there's not that sense of God's plan, it's still recognizing something beautiful in the natural yeah. that um, so many people are rejecting and not celebrating at all. Um, but uh, embraces um, really looking at the wounded of women in regards to their body image and um, just trying to expose some of the things that cause pain and some of the telling the stories of some women's journeys toward a healthy embrace of their bodies. Um, so I do, I do recommend it for a mature yeah. viewer. Um, when I watched it with our daughter, um, 
you know, I told her that there are some things in it that are troubling, but there are many things that are inspiring. And, you know, she felt that way too, after watching it. And we talked together about, um, you know, some of the inspiring parts and some of the troubling parts. Um, but I'd also just encourage Maureen to really ask the Lord to continue what he's revealing to her, because it may be that he's actually putting this on her heart in that he wants her to reach out to others with her own insights through theology of the body um, for people that are, you know, suffering with those kinds of particular wounds. Um, so I, I want to encourage you maybe to take time to write a, a blog post, maybe an essay, you would call it something not necessarily that you're going to share right away, but just to open yourself up to whether the Lord is actually calling you um, to, to, share what he has been showing you already that um, is just a profound connection. You're seeing the Eucharist is Jesus's body and we eat it. Mm, mm. I mean, Glory. we eat it. <laughs> so Glory. think, you know, <laughs> how just very, sometimes the most profound things are the most simple you know, there's been this suffering in your life related to eating. Eating in the body. And the body. And there it is. This is my body. And we eat it. Mm. So there's so much that you yourself just sitting in that, that revelation that you've received that um, could go deeper and deeper for you and for others. So I, I really want to encourage you to consider whether that's a calling on your heart. Here's something I would suggest, Maureen, and I, I may have talked about this on a previous episode, I can't remember, uh, but this is something I share with all of my TOB1 students, and while I was just talking about TOB1, it reminded me, Maureen, I don't know what your formation level is with Theology of the Body. Have you read uh, any books on Theology of the Body? Have you taken any courses on Theology of the Body? Please, that's that's like a you know, first on the list in terms of just forming and shaping your vision of your own body is to dive more deeply into John Paul II's teaching. Consider taking either online or in person our Theology of the Body Level 1 course just as a starting point, or maybe reading Theology of the Body for Beginners. Um, but that was a side point. What I wanted to share was with my TOB1 students, I, I often give them a little exercise I say, start at the top of your head with your hair, and then go inch by inch down your entire body. You know, go from your hair down to your forehead, to your eyebrows, to your eyes, to your eyelashes, your eyelids, your nose, your lips, your cheeks, your jaw, your mouth, your neck, your shoulders, your chest, your breasts, your ribs, your arms, your forearms, your upper arms, your hands, your fingers your belly, your navel, your genitals, your thighs, your knees, your calves, your feet, your toes, from head to toe, literally, and with each part of your body as you pause, ask yourself this question, how do I feel about this part of my body? And then, Lord, how do you feel about this part of my body? We are called to love ourselves as God loves us. And that means all of us have a lot of growing to do because very few of us love ourselves as God loves us. God looked at everything he made 
and said, Behold, it is very good. And I remember this was maybe three years ago. I had been giving this exercise to my students for a number of years. And on my way out of class that night, kind of self-satisfied, thinking the session had gone well, and yeah, that's a good assignment. I'm glad I give that to my students. I heard the Lord kind of whisper in my ear, Christopher, why don't you do that assignment tonight? Mm. And I was like, well, I mean, I, you know, I've been teaching this stuff a long time. I think I'm pretty okay with my body. <laughs> do the exercise, I heard, like more firmly. Do the exercise. And oh my gosh, the number of things I had to pause with and say, do I really love this aspect of my body? Do I love it as God loves it? How do I really feel about this? Memories that are connected with certain parts of my body. Shame that's connected with certain parts of my body even sometimes disgust that's connected with certain parts of my body. Oh, Lordy, did I have an inventory that I needed to open up in prayer and give to the Lord and take to confession. Hmm. should take this stuff to confession. If we don't love our bodies, this, this, and this, this is not to add more shame. This is not to add insult to injury here, but, but in a, in a proper sense of an examination of conscience, I'll just put it this way. The catechism says we are obligated to embrace love, accept our bodies, because this is who God made us to be. And one of the things this woman says in this documentary, who, who I forget her name, I wish I could pull it off the top of my head, I can't, um, but she, she did interviews with women around the world, and, and something like 90% of women, when they were asked, how do you feel about your body? Just a simple question like that. 90% of women express some form of hatred towards their body, using words like disgusting, uh, grosses me out, I hate it. Really, really disparaging terms. This is the work of an enemy. Lucifer hates our bodies because they reveal the mystery of God. And he wants us to hate our bodies as much as he does. And man, has he, has he ever been successful in that? And so without adding further shame upon yourself, begin with repentance. Take it to confession. Get it out into the light and say, Lord, teach me to love my body as you love my body. Mm. Our next question is from Raquel. Hello, Raquel. Thank you for sending us a question. Mm. My question is this. What is masculinity and femininity? Uh, a definition, perhaps? What does the church say? Are they complete binaries only found within the corresponding gender? I've often observed that sometimes a man may seem to possess more feminine characteristics than other men, or some women have more masculine characteristics than other women, not just on a superficial level, but in their character. Why might this be? If both masculinity and femininity come from God, it would make sense to find aspects of each intertwined within one person, regardless of gender. And does masculinity and femininity become more pure, the holier we become? I have a feeling that my understanding of these concepts is a little mixed up, and I would love to hear your thoughts on these mysteries. Raquel, I love your question. That's, that's really cool that you're even thinking at this level. And this is something I've thought about quite a bit. I could, boy, I could go on for hours and hours about this. We don't <laughs> have time here on this podcast. But let me just 
say a few things that I hope will be food for thought for you, Raquel, and for all our listeners. I'm glad you're making this distinction uh, between what is masculine and what is male, what is feminine and what is female, right? We could say that masculinity, how would I put this? I don't know that I've ever really tried to give a definition to it, but I would say masculinity are, are those characteristics that flow from, but are not limited to that which is male. Or maybe I would say, even add another nuance, those characteristics, those properties that flow primarily from, but are not limited to that which is male. Similarly, femininity, perhaps, and again, this is just off the top of my head. Mm. Uh, I'm just trying to formulate some words here. Femininity would be those properties, those characteristics that flow primarily from, but not limited to, that which is female. Let's give some examples. We can recognize if you, we all know that on the grade here, um, there may be women, there are, not maybe, there certainly are some women who are stronger than some men, right? But if you take the strongest man in the world and put it next, put him next to the strongest woman in the world, who's going to be stronger? It's going to be the man, right? By that, that, I'm saying in this sense, we can say strength is a masculine characteristic, not limited to men, no. but it is a masculine characteristic. Uh, women are strong in their own way, right? How about nurturing, right? If, if you look at the way a woman's body is designed, it carries the life within, it nourishes that life, nurtures that life within for nine months, gives birth to that life, and then the woman, the female, nurses that child at her breast, continuing to nourish that baby. So nurturing is not limited to, but is, we would say, a, a feminine characteristic. It flows primarily from, but not limited to, that which is female. Men are called to be nourishing. Uh, women are called to be strong. And so we can go a further step and we can recognize that masculine and feminine properties or qualities are proper to both men and women. And we can go even a step further and say this, there is meant to be a proper integration, a proper marriage within each human being of that which is masculine and that which is feminine. And if that happens properly in me, if I live out the proper marriage of the masculine and the feminine, and here let's draw out some, some an analogy, right? When man and woman come together, the male and the female come together, they can have either a male or a female offspring, right? Mm -hmm. So let's draw that out. If there is a proper marriage of the masculine and the feminine within me, that's going to give birth to an integrated maleness in me. If you, Wendy, live, or to the degree that you do live, an integrated a marriage of the masculine and feminine properties and characteristics mm -hmm. within you, the manifestation of that in you will be an integral femaleness. You will live 
an integrated life as a woman. Mm -hmm. When we don't live that marriage within us of the masculine and the feminine, one of the manifestations of the failure to live that marriage is gender confusion. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes, you know, and these are complex issues. I'm not saying this is the only explanation. Uh, certainly not. But uh, a male who may feel, feel like a female or, or think I'm a woman trapped in a man's body, maybe, maybe he's just trying to integrate with the feminine within himself, which is healthy and proper and right, but it's been skewed and misunderstood, and now it's manifesting itself in a disordered way, right? Uh, another gender confusion on the one hand would be a manifestation of a failure to live that integration within us, but another manifestation would be an exaggeration of maleness or femaleness, like machismo masculinity uh, that, that sees any sign of weakness or nurturing as an affront or a threat to the male identity. And, and that's where we get into some real painful distortions. It can go the other way too, uh, a, a femaleness or a woman who is not integrated with the masculine within her can, can end up um, lacking a, a kind of strength that she's meant to have. So this is meant to be lived in all of us, an integrated marriage of the masculine and the feminine that manifests itself in a healthy, solid gender identity as male or female. I have a little personal story to share um, that um, is not one of, you know, gender confusion, but of kind of a, a struggle in myself with um, finding sort of a healthy inner masculinity, yes, I guess yes. I would say. So there was a time several years ago when I had been meeting with my spiritual director and she was aware that I was kind of working through pain about having felt dominated and not really. So, Gee, so who like, did you feel dominated by, hey, Wendy? Listen, <laughs> that, I'm just not going there. I'm just saying I felt dominated, felt therefore sort of ashamed of my weakness, I think. Yes. Because if you feel dominated, you feel that you've, you know, been kind of conquered or something. You weren't strong enough. <laughs> and, you know, that was a topic that we had certainly been talking about in spiritual direction. And then seemingly to me, unrelated, I experienced some kind of aggression that was kind of out of character for me. In one instance, I... um I was driving somewhere and there was a police officer directing traffic in a way that I couldn't go where I wanted to go. And I rolled down the window and I expressed like anger at the police officer. I don't for, know the story. You don't know about that. I was angry. That, I like this. <laughs> that the officer was a man, that he wasn't letting me drive where I needed to drive, you know. And what kind of behavior is that? Why would I yell at a police officer just directing traffic? It was like this, I, I couldn't even explain why it wow. rose up in me. Wow. And this is fun. <laughs> there was another occasion where there was a, a much older than I was woman uh, from our parish who um, we were involved in some children's ministry together at that time. And she suggested that we lead the children in this prayer that 
I don't know. It just hit me wrong. I thought of my own kids and thought that would just be kind of a sweet, pious, not kind of, I don't know, healthy spiritually yeah, for yeah, them yeah, or something. Yeah. But I got angry at this older woman who's just trying to help the kids <laughs> in the parish and and actually said mean things to her. And so I'm bringing this to my spiritual director, like, oh, I did this and I did this. And, and she was pointing out to me like how in my heart, how I had been feeling sort of like this lack of a masculine strength that I needed to have. And that it was like this compensating sort of aggression, Mm -hmm. overbearing Mm. reaction to situations that wasn't called for out of that just imbalance inside, you know, and that to trust the process that the Lord was wanting to bring me to a place of, of peace, of not seeing myself as weak, you know, but understanding the strength that he has given me and recognizing it in my life and not having this sort of unconscious need to, you know, exert myself, be aggressive toward others out of like, shame of having been conquered Mm, in the past or mm, something so mm. i know that's kind of psychological and confusing maybe but i just am sharing it to kind of take it back several steps we don't have to go all the way to gender confusion you know that's right just these are great examples of what we're we're trying to get at here yeah that in our journey of integration we can kind of go go awry yes, we can. and, and we need can. We the grace of the awry. lord yes to thank you help god us. for good spiritual direction because yeah. i don't think that would have dawned on you no otherwise no i was and just puzzled by myself <laughs> i i can say also because of good spiritual direction my spiritual directors has helped me to understand that a lot of the dreams i have that are sexual in nature are really my 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 heart expressing a desire for the marriage and the union of the masculine and feminine within myself. Mm. I used to <laughs> I used to like really be confused by a lot of my dreams that have sexual content in it. And and when he gave me this kind of interpretive key, he said, Christopher, read the symbols. What are the symbols of your dream? What's going on there? And ask yourself and put it to the Lord. See what you hear in prayer. Is this your are these symbols, these males and females coming together in this dream, are, are they symbols of your own heart? And man, that just illuminated my my dream life in a really, really powerful way. And because mm-hmm. I brought it up, I feel like maybe I should address it at least briefly. I, I was the one who, in my imbalance, in my masculine identity, in my identity as a man, in my own imbalance, didn't know how to honor your feminine heart. And we lived out in our own version of the story what's foretold in Genesis. Your desire will be for your husband and he will dominate you. And I thought when we got married, you know, I, I knew that scripture well. And I'm, I'm not the kind of guy who's like going to slap my wife around or any such thing. Oh, and you are not. And I am not. But I've dominated you with my words. I've dominated you with my theological knowledge. I've <laughs> not known how to honor your feminine perspective all the time. And and that has wounded you. And that is those wounds, both in me and in you, that led me to dominate and for you to want to please me in an unhealthy way. Your desire will be for your husband. That's an, that's an unhealthy desire in the mm-hmm. scripture there. 
that plays itself out in every marriage in one way or another. And it is precisely that domination and that unhealthy desire to please is precisely the fruit of the divorce within our own hearts of the masculine and the feminine. Mm. There is a rupture in the beginning with original sin. There is a rupture in our relationship with God. There is a, a rupture in our relationship with ourselves inwardly in this masculine and feminine dimension. And there is a rupture manifested between man and woman. And there is a rupture manifested between humanity and the rest of creation. The good news of the gospel is that all of those ruptures, all of those divorces are reconciled. This is what St. Paul's talking about when he says the plan of the mystery has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, this plan that has been in the heart of the Father for all eternity, that everything would be made one in Jesus Christ. And here's a great a great line from the Catechism. I'm so glad this came to my mind mm. because it's backing up from the Catechism exactly what we're saying here. The Catechism says, I don't have the exact number, but I do have pretty much the exact quote. Um, it might be a slight paraphrase, but I know this is the gist of what the Catechism says, that Christ is both head and body united. And when Christ refers to himself as the head... He calls himself bridegroom. But when Christ refers to himself as the body, he calls himself bride. Mm. So within Christ, head and body united, there is the marriage of the bridegroom and the bride. Within him, within himself, <laughs> within his very person, there is this marriage and integration of that which is masculine with that which is feminine. You want a doctoral dissertation to unfold what that means in relation to the hypostatic union, man, you got a doctoral dissertation on your hands right mm, there. Just saying. Mm. <laughs> and I just feel like we can't leave this question without the word complementarity yes. in there. You know, I, I don't, I didn't hear either of us say right. it. Good point. And I think when you talked way early or when you were talking about, you know, kind of a somewhat of a definition of what is masculine and what is feminine, I think we just carry in ourselves like an assumption. Of course, these different characteristics are complementary to one another, meaning they serve one another and enhance one another. You sometimes use this uh, Hebrew ezer konegdo, meaning yes. um, a helper. Wait. Yes. Yeah. From Genesis, yeah. I will make a help fit for helper, fit for him. The word helper is so weak yeah. in English. The Hebrew Ezra Konegdo is like warrior helper woman. <laughs> so I just wanted to include that as well as we're it in our answer to this question, that yeah. that sense in which these different characteristics are complementary. And as Raquel pointed out that, you know, they all come from God. And so as we know, God is not male or female, but the masculinity and femininity is an expression, are both expressions of God that we reveal. Amen. And this is even manifested in our biology. Uh, you know, when we hear the word testosterone, do you first think about men or do you first think about women? Women, you think about the male. When you hear the word estrogen, you first think about males or you first think about females. We think about females, but guess what? Men have estrogen and women have testosterone, right? That's part of our biology. Mm -hmm. And we can't not mention, or at least 
pop out the question, why do men have nipples? <laughs> <laughs> why do men have nipples? Right? There's, there is, there's something going on there. There's a connection. We are different. We're the same. We're different at the same time. Share the same human nature, shared in complementary different ways. In the womb, you know, unless you know the chromosomal makeup of the, the fetus, it's, what is it? Is it six weeks? I think like the first six weeks, you can't tell just by looking if it's male or mm -hmm. female. And if there's that Y chromosome thrown into the mix, that which would have formed into ovaries form into testicles, that which would have formed into labia forms into a scrotum, that which would have formed into the clitoris forms into the penis. So, I mean, wow, we're, we're much more connected here, the, the masculine and the feminine, than, than we think. Mm. Biologically, spiritually, it's all complementary. It's all meant to come together. It's all meant to be one in Christ. This is the goal. This is the destiny. Thank you, everybody who submitted questions. We're so grateful. Keep the questions coming. If you want to have a better chance of having us answer one of your questions, you might consider becoming a patron. Click the patron link below to learn more about all the wonderful benefits we offer exclusively to our patrons. Uh, quarterly retreats, study series. We have a great series being released right now, uh, led by Bill Donahue, helping parents and teenagers to live the theology of the body, to live it, to learn it, to share it. And the monthly support that comes to the Institute through your patronage, that helps us to do what we do. We can't do it without you. So grateful to you. Till next time, may you know in a deeper way that you are an indispensable, irreplaceable, unrepeatable gift of life and love. Become what you are. Ask Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they're not licensed counselors. If you are going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes.